All right. Amen. Thank you, Linda. Have your Bibles. Turn to Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles, not not Second Corinthians, but Second Chronicles in the other book in the Old Testament. I want to thank Dave for doing children's church for me while I was gone. I really appreciate that. I really enjoyed listening to Dave explain the things, and he brought props, and I thought that was a wonderful thing. And I was going to bring a couple buckets of sand, dump it up here, and let the kids build something and tear it down, but I figured everybody's going to clean this church this week would have a fit. So I didn't do that. So, But I want to thank you, Dave. It's good to be back, but I want to thank the two speakers that we had, uh, B.J. Kerstetter, who came and shared his heart for the missions to the Jewish people. I really appreciate that and the things that he had to say. And it's very important. All people need Jesus Christ, even the Jews. And last week, you had Reverend uh, Mark Davis. I want to thank him for coming. He gave a wonderful message. To receive the new, you must let go of the old. And when he came on, you know, as a pastor who's been working on a sermon for, for about a week and a half, and, and when he started, he said, turn to Luke. And I thought, okay, good. I'm safe. I'm not preaching in Luke. And then he said, he mentioned a verse in Second Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 14, which is what I'm preaching on. And I think, oh, no, he's going to preach my sermon. But he took it in a different direction, which was fine. And I figured if God laid it on his heart and laid it on my heart, then it must be something we need to say. So today we're going to look at it and how we can fully embrace revival. And we all need revival. I believe I need revival. I think most Christians need revival. I think God's church will grow and have a greater impact if we experience true revival. So let's read Second Chronicles, chapter seven, verse twelve through fourteen. And the Lord appeared unto Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. I have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. He says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much. Father, I thank you for the way you take care of things that we can't take care of. I thank you, Father, for the message that you give me. Because these ain't my words, Father, these are yours. Father, I ask you to hide me behind the cross. Let me say only what you laid on my heart. What the people need to hear, Father, what they need to hear from you. Father, we lift up those names again that were mentioned earlier. And I forgot to, uh, to mention Audrey, Lord, and I pray for her. and pray you'll strengthen her and, and, and care for her and all the rest of them on there, Father. And just touch them. Heal them, the problems they have, the suffering. Father, be with us for a little bit as we get into your word and understand the importance of revival, that we need to be revived. That there may not be no uh, uh, famine, there may not be pestilence, but there are definite problems with our world and our communities that the church needs to be involved in. So, Father, help us to understand that. For it's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. As I was thinking about revival, and I know I've preached on revival before, probably many times before, but 
The best picture for revival is a picture of a Christian who's fallen asleep in his devotion to the Lord. And then he wakes up out of that deep sleep and starts uh, rededicating himself to being devoted to God. God wants us to wake up. All through the Bible, he's talking about making us aware of what's going on around us, making us understand the, the need for us, making us understand that time is short. Uh, Romans 3, 13 11 says, And that knowing the time, that now is high time to wake out of the sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believe. You know, they always say that when you're born, you begin the process of dying. Because you, you get older, you're, you're moving, you're marching towards death. Well, I think the same thing is true for a Christian. Once you become saved and believe in Jesus Christ, you're marching towards that day where you'll be with him for eternity. And today you're closer to your salvation than you were when you first got saved. Today you're closer to being with God. And you have to realize that your time is limited. Your time is short. And you need to be working while you can. There's no time to sleep. No time to rest. It's just a time to be concentrating on the kingdom of God. We're given a limited time to work for God's kingdom. Romans 12.2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Each day we should be transformed into something that God can use, in a way that God can use us in order to touch other people with the gospel, in order to touch other people who are, who are uh, missing something in their life love and understanding and peace that they cannot find in anything they've tried in this world. But we know the answer is Jesus Christ. Building on that solid rock. Building a, a, a life that is pleasing to God. That God will bless. But we seem to want to cling to old and comfortable. The things that we know and understand. The things that, that keep, we seem safe to us. But God wants us to uh, us awake, transformed as he's renewing our mind to serve him. And in our text, King Solomon had completed the temple and dedicated it to the Lord. And the temple was where uh, the people would come and pray and offer sacrifices to God. Second Chronicles. Solomon's praying, he says, And when the heavens is shut up and, and there is no rain, because they have sinned against thee, Yet if they pray towards this place and confess thy name and turn from their sin, then thou wilt afflict them. When thou dost afflict them. Solomon had this idea. He was going to build a house for God. No more traveling around in the, in the, in the, in the tabernacle. He's going to put that Ark of the Covenant into a permanent dwelling for God. And when people come and pray and turn from their ways and turn back to God, that God would bless them. The whole idea. In Second in Second Chronicles chapter seven, verses twelve to fourteen, we see God's response. Solomon made the temple a place of sacrifice, but here God emphasizes a crucial role of humility and what part that plays in a relationship with Him. Recognizing our own limitations and dependence on God is the first step towards true spiritual growth and healing. It's that moment when you realize, I can't do nothing without him. It's also how we wake up and become revived. 
when Solomon dedicated the temple, he sacrificed 22,000 oxen, 120,000 sheep. But the Lord was clear that he demands personal sacrifice from all his children. Personal sacrifice. So how do you know if you need revival or not? Well, I found a quote by Dennis Selfridge. It's a wonderful quote. In the quote, he says, When do we need revival? He said, When the things of God do not stir you, when the glories of heaven do not interest you, when the horrors of hell do not concern you, when the peril of the lost does not move you, when the word of God does not attract you, when the idea of prayer does not draw you, when the house of God does not delight you, and when you do not see every part of your life as a platform to perform the will of God, then you need revival. I think we all need revival. The Bible says you can pray for revival. Psalms uh, 85, 6 says, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? But sometimes I ask myself, do we truly want revival? Sleeping is safe, comfortable. Serving God by coming to church every Sunday is safe, comfortable. Revival means change. It means going where you don't want to go. Talking to people you were not comfortable talking to. Living the will of God no matter where it leads, no matter what it costs. God wants to revive us. In Isaiah 57, 15, it says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, and with him also that is the contrite and humble spirit um, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. God says he's there to revive us. We can't bring him glory if we're asleep. We can't bring him glory if we're going through the motions. Humility reveals our need to live for God. So you want revival? Do you want to be used by God in a powerful way? Well, God tells us how in verse 14. And the first thing he tells us here is that you must humble your heart. Verse 14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Humble your heart before God. Notice he says, my people. When Solomon was talking to him, he's talking to the Israelites. And now on this side of the cross, he's talking to all people who trusted in Jesus Christ for their sin, for, to be their Savior. We are his people. And God wants us to humble ourselves. It doesn't say God will humble them. God says you have to humble yourself. The picture here is us bending the knee and bowing down before the greatness of our God. Why do we need to humble ourselves? Shouldn't we be humble enough knowing that we're just a speck in this tiny little universe and God is creator of all things? Well, one reason is because we're tempted to become self-sufficient. The more we are blessed, the more we're tempted to think we did this all on our own. That's why God reduced Gideon's army. Gideon was going up against a great army. He had got as many men as he could find. And God says, too many. And God reduced it from 32,000 men to 300. Because God knew. In Judges 7, 2, And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites to your hands. 
least Israel vault themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. I want you to understand, they were going against an army of seasoned soldiers. The Midianites had an army of 135,000 men. Strong soldiers. Israel only had 32,000. God said, that's too many. Because if you get a victory, you'll take credit for it. If Israel had 200,000 men, they still couldn't have got a victory without God. God was the reason he was in the, they were in this position. God had already declared they were going to be victorious. They didn't need but one man. Gideon could have went against them all. Because if he was with God, then God would give them the power. We need to understand this. Every moment we live is a precious gift from God. He gave it to us. And if you're using it for your focus, for your reasons, then you don't understand where the blessings come from. If you're living by a bank account, and you think, well, I'm the reason I work, and that money in that bank account, I did that. No, God. He wakes you up. He gives you a job. He gives you the ability to go. He, he provides everything that you have. And the first time you start realizing or start thinking to yourself, hey, I'm pretty good. You're lost. You're not humble. And you need to humble yourself. And you need to realize that everything I have is because of God. No other reason. He is the only reason for everything. And once you start realizing that, you'll have a desire to live for Him. Because if He has given you the blessings, He's given you for a reason to use them to grow the kingdom of God. Another reason we should humble ourselves before God is because we're tempted to become self-righteous. We must never see ourselves as better than others. We're tempted to be like the Pharisee that Jesus talked about in a parable. In Luke 18, starting in verse 10, Jesus told a parable. It says, Two men went up into the temple to pray, and one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. He wasn't praying to God. He was praying with himself so everybody could hear what he was saying. The Pharisee prayed to himself, God, I thank thee that I am not like other men are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing far off could not lift up so much his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, I am for, uh, to me a sinner. And he says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humble himself shall be exalted. I think sometimes Jesus gives us this. This is a, this is a, a very very telling example. You know, the Pharisee is proud. He's standing up. He's looking up to heaven. He wants everybody to see him. He's wearing a robe and a, and a hat like they wore. And he's, he's praying to God. And he's wanting everybody to see him. He's loud enough for everybody to hear Especially loud enough for that publican to hear. Because he wants to make sure he understands that I'm better than you are. And the publican sent over just praying to himself. And he's just crying out to God. He said, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how long you've been a member of the church. I don't care what your position is in the church. I don't care if you're a deacon. I don't care if you're on council. I don't care what you are. If your prayer goes anything like the, the, the Pharisee, you're wrong. 
Every prayer should be, Lord, I'm a sinner, have mercy on me. Because we're supposed to uh, renew our minds every day. Why? Because there's that tendency of us for us to think more of ourselves and what we do instead of giving all the glory to God. And it just takes a little thing. It just takes a little thing for us to look down on someone else and say, at least I'm better than that person. At least, at least I'm just a little bit better than that person. So praise God. No, don't praise God. You're just a miserable sinner like he is. If you understand the blessings of God, then you pray, Lord, I'm just a miserable sinner. Have mercy on me. Never exalt yourself. God wants us to be humble. He wants us to humble our own heart. If we truly desire revival, we must humble ourselves. Live knowing that all we have is from him. And he gives it to us for us to use in his service. We are blessed. And if we are blessed, then God has blessed us. Second, if you want revival, the next thing we need to understand about revival is that it will come when we make prayer a priority. Verse 14 again. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. We should pray. Pray needs to be a priority. And we can understand that. If you look up at verse 12 of our text, it says, The Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer. Amen. That's it. Solomon prayed, God heard. You pray, God hears. If you understand that, why don't we pray more than we do? We should have a prayer meeting here every night. We can't get people to come to one prayer service. We should gather together as often as we can and pray. We should be praying with our family, praying with our friends. Uh, every day should be about prayer. We should pray more. Corporately, independently, privately. The more we pray, the more we can see God's hand at work in our lives. God's listening. He's waiting to hear. Our prayers can make an everlasting difference in many lives. God has empowered his people to pray for others. Pray for healing. Pray for salvation. Pray for protection. Prayer is far more impact than we can ever realize. And we neglect it. God wouldn't ask you to pray unless he has something he wants you to know. Prayer needs to be our priority. And revival can only come with prayer. Every revival you've ever heard of, every revival you read about where hundreds and maybe thousands of people got saved and come to the church, it started by prayer. Wake up and pray. Third thing. God is saying that we need, if we want revival, is we need to seek the Lord. Verse 14 again says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Seek the Lord. Seek that one-on-one personal connection we have with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. What does it really mean to seek God's face? Well, I had several things written down here. It means leaving some things behind. The things that come between us and God. 
like last Sunday, the pastor talked about putting away the old ways and embracing the new. So if you want to leave some things behind, you've got to leave the old ways behind and the old priorities and the old habits and the old things you used to do. Realize that God has something new and exciting for you. He's putting, he's putting the gospel in your heart. You carry it around with you everywhere you go. Let go of the old and embrace the new. But seeking God also means it's about love. We seek God's face because we love him above all else. Jesus proved his love to us when he went to the cross and died for the sins of the world. We show our love by seeking to be in God's presence every chance we get. That's through prayer. Every time you pray, you come into the presence of God. Every time you open up the Word of God and start reading and praying, God, you're in His presence. Knowing how much He loved you, wouldn't you want to be in His presence? I can't tell you what I wouldn't give to be spent five minutes of my day. I can tell you. I'll give you everything I had. Give me five minutes alone. There's so much I wanted to say I never got a chance to. But I neglect our heavenly Father. Seeking God also means closeness. When God says, seek my face, he is reminding us that we have a close relationship with him. COVID taught us the importance of six feet apart. But God wants us face to face with his children. He wants right up and close to us. He wants to be very personal with us. He wants to be as close as he can get. Because the closer you are to him, the better your life is. Seeking God also means desire. The word seek here in our text refers to a search with a great desire. Seeking with all your heart. Jeremiah 29.13 says, And you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Church, there's a problem when we pray to God once a week or once a day or, or once a month. God says, well, you're not seeking me with all your heart. The moment your eyes wake up from sleep and you wipe away the drowsiness in your conscience, you should have a desire to seek God, a desire to be in his presence. Everything good happens in your life, you should be wanting to tell God about it. Everything bad happens in your life, you want to tell God about it. Every problem you hear about, you want to bring it before him. Every time you have an opportunity, you should want to tell him. on the beach, I'm sitting there, and kids come up, and every time they find a little seashell, they bring it to me. All right? And I say, oh, wow. Well, that's, that's real. We'll, we'll keep this one. Yeah. And then we, and, but, but they want to share everything. Everything is exciting and new to them. They want to share with me. God's like that. Your Heavenly Father, He's sitting there, and He's, he, he's put you in different situations. He's put you in different places. He's put you in this church, or He's put you in a job, or he maybe put you in the store. Wherever you're at, He puts you things. Put you places where you can see things, experience things, hear things. And he's sitting there waiting for them. All right, all right, this is good. So as soon as they see this, they're going to come to me. As soon as they find out about this, they're going to come tell me about it. And I, I'm going I'm to show them something in my word that will open up their heart and will cause them to be a blessing to someone else. And he's sitting there like that father longing for the children to come and talk to him. He's like me sitting there on the beach longing for one of them to bring me a shell so I can look at it and put it in the bag and keep it. Do you think about God like that? 
that he's your father, that he's just waiting for you to come to him and say, you never guess what happened, Lord, today. I saw this person, and they needed food, and, and I was thinking about, you know, the, 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 the parable that Jesus talked about. And I, I gave him some food, and, and he accepted Christ. He wants to hear from us. He wants to understand that everything in your life is, is there so you can bring it to him. He came and made Adam in the cool of the day because he wanted to hear about Adam's day. He didn't care what Adam named him animals. He didn't care nothing about that. He cared about Adam. And he wanted to hear from him. And now after all these years of separation, after all these years, and Jesus came and died so we can immediately know that we're saved and have eternal life. And he's longing for us to come and tell us about our day. Because he has blessings that go unfulfilled. He has people that need to hear from us that don't get heard from. Because we do not share with him. We need to wake up, seek God's face, and have revival. Finally, for revival to come, we must return to righteousness. Look at verse 14 again. And if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I used to read this all the time. So turn from their wicked ways. I'm thinking, okay, I don't... I'll try not to lie. I don't kill nobody. I don't steal nothing. I think I'm good. But wicked ways is anything that separates you from God. Now, I'll tell you, one of the most wicked ways we have is, is we think about self more than we think about anything else. God says, turn. Turn from your ways. Turn to God's ways. He's talking about repentance. If, we come up behind, if I come up behind you and tap you on the shoulder, you turn around. So many times we're walking around, we're going our own way, we have our own schedule, we have meetings, we have things we have to do, we have things, places we have to go, people we have to talk to, and the whole time God's knocking on our, our shoulder. He's tapping on us. He says, turn around. You're missing so much. Turn around. Stop. I don't need you to go where you're going. I need you to go where I tell you to go. Or I need you to go where you're going, but I need you to understand why I'm sending you that way. Turn around. God's tapping. He's telling us to turn around, to listen. We miss God's will as we're hurrying to get where we need to go, to do what we need to do. And when we do that, God takes a back seat. And the church, that's a sin. And we need to repent. We also need to turn away from whatever is wrong in our lives. Because we do hold on to sin sometimes, don't we? Jealousy, gossip, greed, dishonesty, laziness, lack of love, lack of concern for the lost. Facing up to our sins and turning away from them can be a painful thing. It's easier just to throw it in a closet or sweep it under a rug and pretend like it's not there. But when you deal with sin, you have to repent. And repenting means turning away. But it'll never happen unless they become unbearable for us. Paul explains in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. Paul said, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. When we see our sins, it should bring us godly sorrow. 
knowing what it cost Jesus on the cross for our sins, knowing the price he had to pay, and we continue to live in sin, should break our hearts. Turn away from our wicked, turn from our wicked ways. Understanding that Jesus paid for our sins, and there's no reason for us to live them anymore. We're not bound to them anymore. We choose them because it's safe, it's easy. But God says, unless my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways. We'll continue on with the problems that we have in life. We'll continue on with half-filled churches. We'll continue on with the drug problems and alcohol problems. We'll continue on with people living hopeless lives. We'll continue on with people thinking that life has no value whatsoever. Babies have no value. People's lives have no value. And all of it's valuable to God. But if we wake up, if we experience revival, then what does God say? Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. We need healing. Look around. Places. The United States keeps getting worse and worse. The world keeps getting worse and worse. I know everything's going to go that way. But as long as the church is on the scene, there should be those little areas where people are getting better. Little areas where people understand uh, who Jesus Christ is and the price that he paid for them, how much he loves them. There should be places where the gospel is going out, but God's people are asleep. How far will God go to forgive and to heal and to help all the way to the cross? So how far are we willing to go? Are we willing to humble ourselves? To make prayer a priority? To seek his face? To return to righteousness, to wake up. Every head bowed, every eye closed. <clears throat> I found that when I when I come up with a sermon that uh, God wants me to preach, uh, before I write anything down, before I just read the verses, and I find that God breaks my heart. He breaks my heart. He preaches it to me before I preach it to you. Church, we need to be revived. We need revival. And it begins with humbling ourselves. It's not about who we are. It's not about the power we have. It's not about the blessings that God has given us or, or the blessings we think we're responsible for. It's by doing what God's called us to do, to share the gospel. Permission statement. Share the gospel. We carry the Bible. The gospel the gospel's been imprinted in our hearts. So that we're able to go share with other people, share with the world. There's not enough sharing, not enough giving. So if you're here today, and it's been a while since you've uh, shared the gospel with anybody. Just repent. Turn from your wicked ways. If it's been a long time since you felt like you were seeking God and closeness and in His presence, then repent.
you feel like you need to humble yourself, maybe it's been a while since, maybe your prayers have become more like the Pharisee. Lord, thank you that I'm not a Republican, or thank you that I'm not a Democrat, or thank you that I'm not belonging to this other church or something. Then repent. Because all you are is a sinner saved by the grace of God. And he wants you to come to him like a child. A child that just broke a window is looking for his father to forgive him. Repent. It's been a while since you prayed to God. Repent. The Bible says pray always. Pray without ceasing. Pray about everything. Feel God tapping on your shoulder. Turn around. Because he's given you this gospel so you can be an impact in someone else's life and you're missing it. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your precious word. Father, we thank you that uh, you explained to us what we are. And how we become humble, Father, is we realize that in our own mind we know that we're just a miserable sinner saved by your grace. And that's all we'll ever be. We'll never elevate ourselves any higher than that. A sinner saved by your great love. We also know, Father, that if we could see ourselves in your eyes, we wouldn't be able to believe how much you care for us. Yeah, we know that Jesus came and you sent him to die on the cross. You sacrificed your own son for miserable, worthless sinners. And we understand that, Father, but there's a heart that you have for us that goes way beyond anything we can ever understand. I can't love myself the way you love me. Father, we ask now, Lord, that you just touch us, that you wake us up, that God's people will humble themselves and seek your face and pray and turn from our wicked ways. And Father, we'll see you heal our land. That we'll see revival and people come to know Christ. And we'll see it before it's eternally too late. Because, Father, we know there'll be a falling away. And soon the church will be lifted up out of this place. And it'll be hard and hard for people to see the gospel. When you remove the people who's in our hearts. Father, we love you and we thank you. Which in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everyone stand. Please turn your hymnals to page 